talking about portraits in the palace. And uh, we've been talking about how that if you went to visit a castle or a palace, you would see that there would be pictures of kings and queens all around the walls. And those pictures of the kings and queens were in the time of monarchs when your time would become king and you would move in or you would become queen. You would have those pictures around the wall to remind you of the royal destiny that you were born into because that was a bloodline. Everyone say a bloodline. And that was the DNA and the bloodline. And those pictures were portraits of to remind you, you were born to be courageous. You were born to be awesome. You were born to rule. You were born to reign as an earthly king and a queen. The same thing happens in the word of God. There are portraits from Genesis to Revelation of our DNA. They're hanging all in scripture. They're hanging around us in our spirit, in our mind, if we're looking. And they're pictures of the great men and women of God who have gone on before us. And those pictures are not to discourage just say they're not to discourage me but to encourage me of what I can become and yes there are some portraits and scriptures that remind us of things to avoid things to not fall into things to not happen in our life but those great men and women there's portraits hanging now this is a portrait that pastor decided on our honeymoon we would have painted so I had to sit in the Outrigger Waikiki hotel lobby for about 45 minutes to an hour and a half why a woman just painted me while pastor laid on the beach. I didn't think that was quite right. But then he got tagged and he had to sit while I went out to the beach. And that was our first, our second wedding, but our first honeymoon to Hawaii. And we had that portrait made. Now, when it was done, like most of us, and we looked at it, we thought, that doesn't look like me. She missed that. But really, the truth of the matter is, that's basically what we looked like when we were young. Hubba, hubba, give us a hand. I think we looked pretty good. My mother and my dad had a portrait done, and we'll get into the scripture. I have something fun to share with you before we get into scripture. My mom and dad had a picture made, and they preached all over the world. So they were in Korea preaching. And while they're in Korea, a famous Korean artist asked for a picture. He took the picture, and he painted a portrait of my mother and my father. He shipped it to them. We lived in California at that time. Now, this portrait has become legendary in the Giles home. My mother is the rock of Gibraltar, wisest, strongest, anointed, most powerful, incredible woman I've ever known. But she's also got a cute and a little mystical side about her. And uh, she hated that portrait because this Korean was a wonderful artist, but she felt like that he made their eyes look like they were Korean as well. And so she hated this. And it was not this. It was a canvas. I mean, expensive. And, you know, she hated it so much it kept getting moved from our house. And we'd go find it we'd bring it back out again we were just you know teenagers being mean we'd bring it out and put it up on the you know hang it up over the refrigerator and then we'd put it somewhere else. and one day it went missing and we said what happened to that picture and she said oh you know that big rain came in it came in the garage and it just it just washed it just ruined everything in that portrait we kept teasing her till finally it became truth several years later that a, a flood had not washed out that portrait. But my mother, like that movie Psycho, had taken a knife and she had cut that portrait all to pieces because she didn't think it looked like her. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, some pictures don't look like us. And there are pictures and moments and portraits in our life that we want to be rewritten. That we don't want that snapshot or that picture to stay um, of a demonstration of what we're going to look like forever. We have two women this morning. The first one wanted to rewrite her history. She wanted to change her outward appearance. Her name is, we'll bring up the picture, Deborah Hickey. And this was Deborah Hickey. A lot of you did not know Deborah back in 2003. 
Deborah wanted to rewrite her history. She wanted to make a change in her physical appearance. So Deborah went on a diet and she lost 115 pounds. Would you welcome Deborah Hickey now as she looks? Come on, somebody. She's our biggest loser of the day. Come stand right here. And Deborah hit kind of a, she hit kind of a hump and couldn't get the last few pounds off that she wanted to get off. I think she looks fabulous. Um, but she started going to Pastor Tim's um, Sunday um, afternoon about eating healthy. And you've lost how much by doing his diet? I've lost eight and a half pounds. Wow. Is that not awesome? And she has followed it strictly, huh? Absolutely. So she's like, so she has rewritten her portrait. She has changed what she will be remembered. Now I knew her back then, but I don't even remember her. How many else do I don't remember that? Um, all I know is she is one hot mama. That's all I'm saying. She's got a good looking hot daddy husband too. So it's all good. Stay right here with me, Deborah. Now, another lady, um, known her for a long time, almost since the beginning of the church, and she tried several years to rewrite her history, to change her image. I mean, several times she did things. I remember coming to talk to me and other staff members. It was quite a conversation because she had quite gifts and talents, but she felt like her outward appearance was getting in her way. So this is what Janice Oimby um, looked like. Everyone see Janice up there? Janice has lost 165 pounds. Welcome Janice Oinby in the house. Now Janice went on Weight Watchers and she learned how to eat right and to live right and a new way, and you've even gotten people on at your school. I've noticed the principal's lost weight. She's encouraged other people. Um, what would you say, Janice, to people about changing something in your life? Start with the little things. Don't expect everything at one time. Every accomplishment counts. There you go. Well, Never give up. Never give up. And never give up, because it was years. How many years have you been trying to lose this weight? I've been over 300 pounds for 18 years. Don't say it can't be done. Here it is. Thank you, ladies, so much. Would you just give them a huge hand? So today is not about weight loss. It's not about changing your appearance, but it is about rewriting your history. Turn to Psalms 37. I just thought, I actually was working for something for January, and about 10 last night, I text the ladies and say, hey, can you get, get those pictures in the morning? I think we're going to do something with that. Psalms 37 and verse 3, a familiar passage, and it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on what? In New King James, it says his faithfulness. Everyone say his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the what? The desires of your heart. Now, I remember when I thought I wanted to marry another man besides pastor, that's another story, but a man that helped me walk through my inner healing. I remember asking him, you know, I didn't tell him what I was thinking, but I thought, how do I know God will give me the desires of my heart? He said, he will, as it lines up with his will. Say, his will become my desires. 
And that's when he gives you the desires of your heart. It says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday sun. Isn't that good? We're going to feed on his faithfulness. Lift one hand to the heaven. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for your word this morning. We thank you that it is possible to rewrite our history. We're going to see that in your word in these minutes, Lord. We're going to hear from you this morning. We're going to be encouraged like Janice, and we're going to be encouraged like Deborah to make some small changes in areas of our lives, to rewrite it. Maybe we've been lazy or sloppy. Maybe we've been a procrastinator. Maybe we've been a dreamer who's never put our dreams into practice. But this morning, Lord Jesus, we thank you that we're going to learn from your word. We're going to be inspired by the Holy Ghost. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for touching me, for strengthening me. I thank you for bringing the word forth and the way you want to bring it to every listener. I praise you, Holy Spirit, for speaking what I don't even speak and speaking above that and beyond that because you are in control and you are the great I am. And we welcome you into this place this morning. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. We're looking into Thanksgiving and we're looking at what to be thankful for. And I wanted to share a clip or something. And I love this song so much. Um, heard it one morning and kept telling Susan, oh my gosh, that orchestration, and I got to do some of this song, and I don't know what I was going to do with it. I may do something with Easter, but love the orchestration of the song, but more love the uh, song. And when found it on YouTube to a video, I thought, what could I show you this morning that as you go into Thanksgiving, you are thankful for the real thing. Paul said to be thankful for the gift of salvation. You see, above all, if God put $10 million in your account every day of your life, above all, if God gave you the most perfect hair, body, looks, education, house, car, above all, if God gave you the greatest name in all the earth, but then at the end of life, when you came to the gates of heaven and he didn't let you in and you went to hell, you have nothing, nothing at all. Can I hear an amen? The greatest gift Paul said to be thankful for is the gift of salvation. And I love this song by Abandon, and everyone's just led right into this. This is what I want to show you. It's about three minutes. I'll preach about 30 minutes. We'll call it a day, a good day. But it's by Abandon. It goes, there he goes, a hero to save the world with scenes from the passion. Would you draw your attention to the screens and bring down the lights? dirty streets famous for nothing he said come follow me and they came a face like all the rest but something was different the son of God would lead the way and soon they all would say
the hero, the savior to the world. Here he stands with scars in his hands. Anybody thankful for Jesus this morning? Why don't you give him one more hand in this house? Miss Wendy, would you come and just help me? And let's just get into this and see what God has for us. If you just play behind me this morning. I want to draw your attention to Genesis and um, the 18th chapter this morning. Can God rewrite our history? Well, we just saw a portrait of God rewriting our history this portrait right here with Pastor Hank and Rhonda would never have been taken. We would have been left in the condition that we were had it not been for Calvary. I don't know, like Pastor Bryce said, I don't know what Pastor Tim said, I don't know about what you would say this morning, but I know for me, if God had not rewritten my history, what would today be like? Somebody give God a hand clap of praise this morning. And God comes to visit Abraham. God comes in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day in Genesis 18, Abraham and Sarah, who were well past age and very old, everyone say very old, we know, their, we know their story well, but I've never heard anyone especially bring this out to what God showed me about six weeks ago on Wednesday night about Sarah, where God rewrote her history. And God comes in the heat of the day to see Abraham. Abraham is so overwhelmed, as you and I should be, if God comes to see us. If God comes to our house, not a, I think he's here. I thought he would come, but no, he's here. It was God there. Three men, one of the Lord Jesus Christ. They feel like pre-incarnate, but that's a little bit too heavy. Anyway, the Lord came. And they came to Abraham and he sees them and he serves them. He waits on them. He runs to Sarah and he says, would you make them something to eat? The Lord is here. I've got to take time for him. I'm telling you, if we want God to rewrite our history, we've got to recognize the sovereign moments in our life that God shows up and God speaks to us. Can I get an amen in the house? And Abraham notices that the Lord and he tells Sarah, and he sits and he fellowships with them and he breaks bread with them. Many believe it was the Lord and two angels. And they're sitting there with Abraham or whether they're standing now, we don't know. But the Lord begins to speak to Abraham those powerful words. Say the warfare always begins with the words. Come on, look at your neighbor and say the warfare always begins with the words. And the Lord says, where is Sarah, your wife? And Abraham said, she's in the tent. Say she was on the other side. She was on the other side of the tent, but they were inside the tent. And it says, where is she? She's in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you. Now, what I like about this right here, you might not be as pumped about it as I am, but it means that God comes and makes a promise, but he says it's not gonna be fulfilled this very day. 
You see, sometimes we get all messed up with our human reasoning when God makes a promise. And we think when He speaks something, it's going to happen right then. Or it's going to happen in a week or two weeks. And we restrict God into the chronos of our chronological timetables that man came up with. That calendar from January, to December, God just works with it. He didn't create it. Man created that. But He said, I will return to you. Say, certainly, certainly I will return to you according at the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Now watch this. It says that Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. And it goes on to say, Abraham and Sarah were well advanced in age and past the time of having a child. And this is where Sarah picture gets taken. This is when her portrait gets painted in scripture. A portrait like you and I that I'm sure she wished had not been taken. Because what happens is it says that Sarah laughed and said, shall this happen to me? after I have grown so old in my body. You see, when she laughed, it's not like she just chuckled, but to laugh means in the Hebrew, she mocked God and what God said, and then made matters worse in a moment. Say, she mocked God. And then the Lord said back to her, why did Sarah laugh? Saying, I'm going to have a child. Is anything too hard for the Lord. You see right there, we see for God to rewrite history in your life and my life, for God to change the portraits of seasons and times in our life, it will be the Lord that does that and not man. It will be His hand. It will be His glory. My favorite scripture, it's not by might nor by power, but it is by the Spirit of the Lord that all things are done. You can do everything within your power. You can do everything within your will. And then you can get frustrated over everything you've done that's not caused things to change. But in the end, everything belongs to the Lord, the Lord's power and the Lord's hand. Someone say there's nothing Come on, someone say, there's nothing too hard for the Lord. Say, whatever I'm facing is not too hard for the Lord. There is nothing too hard for the Lord. At the appointed time, I will return to you and Sarah will have a son. And it's not bad enough that Sarah laughed, that she mocked what God has done. There's one part of the portrait being painted. She goes a little farther because she lies. And she says, I did not laugh. I didn't laugh. I didn't do it. And then the Lord says, yes, you did, Sarah. I heard you. I mean, it's bad enough that God visits your house. It's bad enough that He shows up. It's bad enough that He gives your husband, your spouse, your best friend, your partner, your, your whatever, a promise like this. It's bad enough that you're on the other side of the door and you're laughing and you're mocking that God cannot do what God said. Before you want to stone Sarah, 
How many times a week do you and I read precious promises that are dripping with the blood of the hero, the Savior of the world, and we doubt that He can fulfill that which He promised? How many times do we hear a song or a sermon or something that declares the goodness and the majesty and the faithfulness of God, but yet we don't find ourselves feeding on His faithfulness. We find ourselves feeding on our doubts and our murmuring and our complaining instead of feeding on the power of the great Lord God of all glory who calls things that are even though they are not. Come on somebody and give God a shout of praise in this house. You'll have to work with me. I'm, I don't want to go too far or get too excited or I'll start coughing. So I got to do this as well as I can. How many times do you and I, do you and I hear a word from the Lord and a long time goes by and all we can see is all the physical and emotional and circumstantial reasons why that word cannot be fulfilled. And we laugh. Oh, we don't see it laughing like Sarah, but we laugh when we say, you're not big enough. Come on, somebody. We laugh when we say, God, you can't do that. You can't rewrite my history. You can't change. You can't bring about a fulfillment to something that happened so long ago. But she laughed and the Lord said, you did laugh. But Sarah is your new best friend. Look at your neighbor and say, Sarah, not Harper, Abraham's wife, but Sarah is your new best friend. No, say it. Come on. Say, Sarah is your new best friend. And don't y'all be messing with me. You know, I can get mean. Sarah is your new best friend. Why? She's my new best friend because this portrait is right here in Scripture. It's in the book of Genesis in the Old Testament. It's a picture painted of a woman who's going to come, the mother of the faith of what we believe in, the father and mother of faith, Abraham and Sarah. And here's this portrait of a woman who not only laughed, but then she lied. I mean, if God came to your house, some of us, if you sense an angel coming in the room, you want to bury your head underneath a sheet. What about the Lord coming? But she laughed. She mocked. And then she lied to the Lord and said, I didn't laugh at you. And here's this picture taken. But God can rewrite history. Look at your neighbor and say, God can rewrite your history. I love her because that's the Old Testament. And the Old Testament merges into the New Testament. And the New Testament is covered by the blood of Christ. The New Testament is covered by the sealing of Christ. Once you step into Matthew, you're already kind of like on reserve of what's going to happen at the cross when Jesus sheds His blood and He rewrites our history. And when you come into Matthew and you go all the way through the Scripture, through all the portraits of these great men and women of faith, in this great palace we call the Word of God and this kingdom of God, and we see their pictures. All of a sudden you pause and you get into a chapter of Hebrews 11 and verse 11, and you find this written about the same woman, the woman who had her picture taken, downing and laughing at God. And this is what it says. It says, by faith, everyone say, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength. Say, I can receive strength this is what she did to conceive seed and she bore a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had made 
the promise. She didn't judge her conditions. She didn't judge the time from when the first time God had told them they would have a baby, but she judged the faithfulness of God. Why are you so excited about that, Pastor Rana? Because this is the same woman who had her picture taken in Genesis. The same woman who laughed at God, who doubted God, and then lied to God. But by Hebrews 11, 11, it's like God says, you know what? I want a scribe in here. I got something I've got to say about my little girl named Sarah. I'm going to rewrite what's been said about her in the past. The woman that laughed at me, the woman that lied to me, the woman that thought I could not do the impossible in her life. I'm going to rewrite what was said about her. And in Hebrews 11, 11, he wrote the difference and he said, this is what my girl did. She judged me that was faithful she judged and she received the courage and the faith and here's a lady that you can count on that's my girl you see come on somebody if you've ever stood on the other side come on come on some of you don't even can't even get it yet if you've ever stood on the other side of the tent if you've ever had a moment and if you are living and breathing in this room this morning I know you have when you doubted what God could do are you made a mistake or you had some unbelievable sin you see God gives us the opportunity to rewrite our history and say you know what that Rhonda Davis that you took a picture of in this moment who was doubtful who did this and this and this I'm going to rewrite it because she has now sought me she has now looked to me and I'm going to rewrite her history and I'm going to show her that I'm the God that can change the page in the story of her life. Some of you've got people in your life. Come on. You've got spouses in your life. You've got children in your life and in your own life. We all have friends that right now, the picture is so horrible. Early this morning, an email came to me from a family, part of our church. It's been missing for a long time, but still connected to some of us and the horribleness of what they're facing and the consequences and the situation just made me want to not even come today and just go and do what I can to help them. And I will do what I can to help them. But looking at this page in their story, it would be so easy to say, this is where it ends because they had some great days behind them. They had some glory days behind them, great glory behind them, great glory. But right now this page this page they're living right now is a page of consequences, a page of heartbreak, a page of losing everything, a page of so much sorrow. And I can't go farther than that because I want to protect this family, this page they're living right now. But you know what I remember? I remember several dreams I've had about this family. I remember words that people have had about this family. And above every one of that, I remember what the Word of God says over each one of us. So I respond with, I'm crying for you. I'm hurting for you at five this morning. I'm breaking my heart for you. I want to do something to help you. Just tell me something practical. What can I do for you? But then I begin to type the prayers. I felt the Holy Spirit come in the room 
room and come through my hands and come through mine, not in some shaky, spooky way, but just God-inspired words. And I begin to say, you know what? We've already seen the future. We know that you're getting through this. We know that God has another day for you. We know this is going to turn around. We know this page, if we were to stop right here, no one wants to read the end of the story. But we know who wrote the end of the story. And we know he who is faithful. Come on, somebody. And we know he who is consistent. Come on, somebody. And we know he who is determined. And so I said, we agree. I love Sarah. I love Sarah because she got rewritten. You see, whenever we look past and we look at our past without the blood, then we come into agreement with the enemy. When we look at it through the blood, then we disempower, if that should be a word, the enemy. But we look at it outside of the blood. We look at, at anything we're going through outside of the blood. We empower him. But when we look at it through the blood, we look at how he can rewrite our history. I don't know before I tell you about the next person where I'll end. I don't know what moments in your life. I, I can't get into your mind. I'm not a soothsayer. I'm not a mind reader. Yes, I have gifts, but I'm preaching right now. I, even if I operated my gifts, I couldn't see. I don't know many people go to everything that's going on in your life. We see through a veil, through a shadow, but you know your life well this morning. You know moments and portraits of your life right now. The Spirit of God is speaking to someone that you would like something rewritten, that you would like something changed, that you don't want this day to be the day that when we open up the chronicles of your life, like the word, when we see Sarah laughing, and we, but we see God's faithfulness saying, is anything too hard for the Lord? We've got days like that in which we want the Lord to write something different, to paint a different picture. Maybe this morning you're here and all your life you've been late. I know this is silly, but these things are sometimes crucial. You've been inconsistent. You've been a procrastinator. You've been a person of excuses. You've been a person to blame. You've been a person to always compare yourself to someone else. You've been a person to always think that someone else had a better gift, a better way to do it. I don't know what portrait might be painted of you today, but I wanna tell you that for this woman and for the man we're fixing to talk to in these closing moments, they had not begun to see the best days of their life yet until they relinquished all things to the Lord and said, God, I've done everything I can to rewrite my history. But right now, Lord, I want you to change the portrait. I want you to change when people think of Rhonda Davis. They don't think of a mouth that could never stop talking about other people. They don't think about someone that's negative. Oh, I'm too old to change. You are never too old to change and you are never too young to change. Don't you ever tell me that's just the way I am. I can't change. No, you've got the DNA of God in you. You may be a fusser and a fighter and a cusser, but when Jesus gets inside of you, he can turn you around and change you for his glory. Come on, somebody. He can change you. 
You may be hooked on things. Your eye, you may say, that's just me. I'm going to battle with this. Scripture will not back you up on that. Scripture will back you up on your weaknesses. He is made strong. Scripture will back you up that He is strength in you. Scripture will back you up that He's inside of you. That the Lord thy God in the midst of you is mighty. But Scripture will never back you up on that you can change. You can stay the way that He found you. He found you to change you to cause you to become a mature son and daughter the scripture says that the earth is groaning the earth is crying out in travail the very earth for the revelation of the glory in God's sons and daughters that is you and I for the mature glory of the most high God to be seen in us I can't just say I'm a backbiter I came from a long line of backbiters and I'm always going to be a backbiter I'm going to tell you a habit can be changed in 21 days. Whatever it is, the portrait can be changed from you. If you're the person that's always late, you can go the next year and in one year, you're on time. I know that's simple, but I don't want to get into your heavy stuff. You can be on time so much that at the end of the year, no one can remember, come on, that you were ever late before. You can be the person that your bills are always late. You can change things and manage money differently until you're the person that's too days early before every bill that your banker says oh my goodness look who's coming I hope she's asking me for a loan I hope she's asking me for five hundred thousand dollars to build a dream center for the kingdom because she's the most on-time payer I've ever had that's impossible don't you tell the Lord that anything is too hard for him you can change it by God's power in you somebody give God a shout of praise come on in this house you can change that portrait of your life. Sarah changed it. We walk a little farther into Genesis to one more guy and I'll be done. A guy that a lot of us are very familiar with. We taught, we're taught about him in Sunday school. If not, we've seen movies about him. Joseph. Joseph, God's man. Joseph's got men who also got a word and the Bible says the word tested him till it was fulfilled. I'm gonna tell you something, guys. Don't be all excited when you get a word it will test you and a word really comes from the Lord Pastor Todd Haggard moved down here I hope this is okay Pastor Todd many years ago because he saw the miracle of our marriage in charisma and he moved down here with his wife and his children because of the testimony of what God did in our life he believed God had something for him here and I declare today by the kingdom of Jesus Christ that God will fulfill that word come on somebody that God come on somebody Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. But that word has severely tested him and his family. Joseph got that word and he got that dream. And he saw Wendy, his brothers bowing before him. Wendy, I'll buy you a steak for doing this for me. I'm sorry. And he's, I bowed, he said, you're going to bow down before me. You're going to bow down before me. And I'm going to be your ruler. He was a braggadocious tale, tattletale. But Acts 14 and 22, if you're making notes, you're going to love this one. You're going to put it on your refrigerator. You're going to want to put it on your forehead. Are you ready? Everyone say amen. Come on. Are you ready? We must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Who feels like a Jericho dance around the sanctuary? Come on. We must through many tribulations. And that word tribulation in the Hebrew is thlepsis which means adversity. Someone say adversity. 
Let me break it down to you. Pressure, trouble, anguish. Joseph had a dream and he had a word. But through much, everyone say adversity, we get into the kingdom of God. We get into what God has called us. That means hard times. Look at your neighbor and say hard times. Hard times. Everybody I'm talking to right now is going through hard times. Hard times financially. Every minister on the radio. Every pastor. Everywhere. I mean everywhere in the Christian world. Everybody is pressed a little bit. But still, if you've got a little bit of change in your car, if you've got $6 in your checking account, or no, I think it's even $3.23. I think it's if you've got a checking account. You are richer than 80% of the world that is steeped in poverty and famine right now. You have a reason to be thankful. It doesn't let you off about what to do about it, but you have a reason, but hard times. And Joseph had a dream. He had a word from God that God was gonna use him. You know the story, his brothers hated him, but he was a bragging guy. He was not a mature son. Now watch me as we close this up. He was not a mature son or daughter, he wasn't. You see, there are things. I know I, I walk with one of my, my Baptist girlfriends at the Greenway. We go to the gym together and we all met there and we've become very close. And we we're talking about the other day, one of my friends said, I wish I had not done so much for my kids. I, uh, we did them a disservice. We did too much for them. We should have let them face the hard times alone, but we bailed them out too many. And now they don't know how to walk in strength. You know, and I looked at her and I said, I, I don't know if what you're saying is right or don't right. I love you. I, I'm, you're a great mama, but I will say, that the adversity in my life has taught me so much that I hate it when my children go through it. But inside, I also know that a certain amount of hardship is important to become a disciplined man or woman of God. Come on, somebody. We're of the generation that everybody wants to fix every problem, but it's hardship. It was working four jobs, trying to pay off a car. It, it was going from the waitress place to the, the spa. I was going to Lee University and to my other job. It was working in order, it was doing all those jobs and barely sleeping and going all day. That taught me that adversity will make you strong. Hard places won't kill you. I know what they always say, if what doesn't kill you makes you strong, you're like, right. What you go through that doesn't kill you, that makes you stronger, will teach you so many awesome things. Look at your neighbor and say, you're smarter than you thought you were. You're smarter than you thought you were. And through much pressure, you see, God had a will for Joseph. God had a will. I just thought about bringing this in the last minute, so it's not about us. But God had a will for these two people. But through much adversity, we have entered the kingdom of God. And through much adversity, through much pressure, you will enter in the kingdom of God. God will tell you no, but every no is God's yes to something else. And you have to trust in that no. Adversity teaches you, and Joseph, his brothers hated him. You know what they did? They sold him. They first they were going to kill him, put him in a pit. He stayed there. Then they sold him to Israel's arch enemy, the, the Ishmael, which now is the, the tribe of Ishmael, which now the Muslims that is at war with Israel. They sold him to his enemy. He lost everything. Watch this in these last few moments. He lost his identity. He lost his birthright. He lost the name of his father and he sold into slavery. He lost everything that he had and he became a slave. He was a slave. Right then, it seems it would be enough to say, this portrait does God a disservice. This portrait of this man who's loved God is a little bit too bragged, a little bit too young, a little bit too much of a tattletale, but this portrait 
does God a disservice. Maybe in your life right now, there's a moment, there's a picture of your life, things you've gone through, you're going through, you feel like, God, this does you a disservice. That's what that email said to me this morning. Said my little girl asked, what did we do to God to make this happen? And there's some other things going on with that. But I understand what the little girl is saying. This makes God look like he's not alive what's going on in my life. But I'm gonna tell you, those who will trust in the Lord and delight themselves in Him, God will turn it around and God will rewrite it and God will change everything and bring order out of disorder because He's God. Don't pause where you are. As a friend said, if you're going through hell, don't stop, just keep on going. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise this morning. He's sold into slavery. And then, you know, he goes into Potiphar's house. And in Potiphar's house, he, he works for Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife got the hots for him and tried to seduce him. And the scripture says that daily, everyone said daily. Daily she came to him. Every day she tried to seduce him. Every stinking day. He held on to who he was. He held on to who God was. And he ran away when she tried to grab hold of his cloak. And then he's put into a dungeon. And the dungeons in these days, according to all the historians, make our prisons, which I know are horrible, look like a country club. And he was sentenced in that dungeon for doing the right thing. Someone say the right thing. And during that time, as he was in that dungeon, he lived there with not an ounce of manifestation of God's goodness in his life. There was not one visible sign. You and I get freaked out if in two days we haven't seen a manifested sign from God that He's with us. Come on, somebody. You and I freak out if it goes for a month and we feel like God has been silent. Come on, somebody. You and I get freaked out if we don't get an epiphany or that means some bright light from God and we start to doubt Him. Joseph went for 10 years. Everyone say 10 years. 10 years in the dungeon with no visible sign that God was with him and then all of the sudden I mean there it is his dream the word that God gave him has caused the warfare you see like Lisa Bevere said you saw in the clip but I heard the whole message she said the warfare in your life right now is not over who you've been it's over who you're going to become all we can think about is ooh, what I was back then what you were back then is gone you need to pray with me while I pray every day help me to find who I'm supposed to be in this day because that day is done who am I supposed to be now? You can't revisit the old graveyard. You can't go back and dig up dead bones and try to make something happen that's dead and been dead a long time. You have to ask the Lord, where am I to be today? And who am I to be in you? And here's Joseph and two guys come into the prison, the baker and the butler. And you know this, they said they have a dream and they're sad. And here's Joseph. And here's the question of God rewriting your story. These guys say they have a dream. Here's Joseph with interpretations. Here's Joseph with a gift. What he doesn't realize this moment, the warfare is about his gift. His gift has caused his brothers to put him in a pit. The word over his life caused him to be sold into slavery. You see, because God was positioning him all the way to the throne that he could bring God's people out of Egypt so we could see them come out of Egypt a million strong. You see what's going on in your life and my life is never just about us. It's about the people that God has ordained for us to reach. Come on, somebody. Give God a shout of praise on this Sunday morning. Joseph didn't know any of that. He didn't have any of that. But there he stands and he's got this gift and he's been put in the dungeon and there he stands and all this warfare, all this adversity 
has come against him. And he could have said, I'm not gonna touch this one. Last dream I touched, you see where it landed me? I've not heard anything from God for 10 years. I'm down here in this dungeon. It says the Lord was with him. The Lord was with Joseph. But you know what? I know there's been many days the Lord was with me that I didn't know he was with me. I saw no visible sign, but he was with me. Look at your neighbor and say, the Lord is with you today. The Lord is with you today. He could have said, you know what? I'm going to give up. I'm going to stop right here. I'm not going to interpret this dream. I'm not going to speak anything. And this is the sign of those that get their lives rewritten by God. This is the sign. This is the question. In this moment, can Joseph proclaim the faithfulness of God to these two men, even after he hasn't seen an ounce of God's faithfulness himself. Can you, brothers and sisters, proclaim the faithfulness of God when you haven't seen an ounce of it yourself? Can you proclaim to somebody that God is good? Can you, like Sarah, judge him who is faithful that has made certain promises in your life when everything looks contrary to it? Can you judge him who is faithful above what you feel, above what you're going through? Joseph said, it's almost like in Scripture when you read it, there's like this huge big pause right here for a moment and just for a moment you think is Joseph going to say anything? I mean this could be his moment like those spies that went into Canaan that we've been talking about on Wednesday night they didn't know that was their moment. Ten of them never got in. Two went all the way through. Nobody got papers no one got an agenda that said this is a defining moment. If you can see God in this moment you're going to make it into the promised land. No one got the memo. No one got the agenda but the two spies Joshua and Caleb had fed on the good of God. They had kept themselves steeped, not in the world's thinking, but in who God was. So when they went into the land, all they could see was the fruit in the land. All they could see was the possibilities where the other 10 guys, all they saw was the giant. The scripture says, feed on God's faithfulness. God is looking for a people who will get their eyes on the fruit of the labor that God can do through you, on the fruit of your sacrifice, on the the fruit of your stand, on the fruit of your life calling, on the fruit of you living for Him, on the fruit of the healing you're going through right now, and get your eyes off of every giant in between you and I, because the 10 guys said they were as giants, and we are as grasshoppers in our sight, and the Bible says, and so they were. You see, both were right. Joshua and Caleb said, we can take this mountain, and Joshua said, because the Lord is with us and they have lost the favor of the Lord. He said our enemies God has turned his back on but the Lord is with us. I'm going to tell you your God is not with your enemy. He has turned his back on every foe against you over every situation that comes against you. He is not with your enemy but the Lord thy God in the midst of thee. He is mighty. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise in this house. Come on, somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. Come on, somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. Defining moments, and Joseph said, he said, are not in turn, he just imagined inside, he's thinking, I'm I'm not going to say this, I'm not going to say this. And then he says it, are not interpretations from the Lord Yahweh, would have been what he would have said, the God of Israel. And he interprets the dream. Then you know, he gets out and he gets elevated 
and his story gets rewritten. Why? Because he fed what we read in the beginning. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. We've got to ravenously starve our doubts and we've got to intensely feed on God's faithfulness. I told the Wednesday night class, whenever you get extremely hungry, um, Sister Cindy Price Murdoch and I were in New York. We'd been there all day and we hadn't eaten anything. We'd flown in early in the morning and we were going to a Broadway show that night. The church had sent us and we were starving. We went to this big Italian restaurant and we were so hungry. We, we, we ordered enough meat to feed 50 big men and it was sitting everywhere and the waiters were staring us, but we were just eating it. We were hungry for protein. You see that kind of same feeling? It was that food went right in. When you're that hungry, the food is just feeding you. When you're that hungry, the food is just like protein. You've got to starve your doubts and ravelously feed. Not on the things of the world, my sisters. Not on the things of the past, my brothers. Not on your feelings. Not on your circumstances. But you've got to feed on God and God alone and His faithfulness. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I believe as I'm closing this morning, I believe Joseph. I believe he held on to the dream, but I believe that he held on tighter to God. I believe he focused on the character and the faithfulness of God. I think he held on to the dream slightly, but a dream is not going to sustain you in a pit or a dungeon. A dream is not going to sustain you on your worst day. I'm going to tell you, I've had some great dreams spoken by some of the greatest prophets, and I've dreamed some but they do not sustain me when hell gets in the middle of the hallways between where I was and where I'm going. Come on, somebody. When the air gets thick and doubt pushes in and you question what is going on in my life and what's going to happen in my life, it's not those dreams. It's not those words. But what in that moment is, I believe Joseph said, you know what, God, you're faithful. You're the God who gave Abraham and Sarah that child. You did that for them, God. You're the God who helped Noah build the ark. You're the God who gave Adam and Eve clothed skins. You're the God whose character is long-suffering and merciful and kind. I believe Joseph got his mind off of the dream of the great ambition. You see, you can get your story rewritten when you let go of your selfish ambition. Joseph had ambition of being seen. Joseph had ambition of his brothers bowing down and the great works. Oh, we all had that when we started 28 years ago. By many tribulations, you enter into the kingdom of God. By many tribulations are doors open for you. By many tribulations do you heal the sick. By many tribulations do you open the blinded eyes. By many tribulations do you get to the place where you feed on God's faithfulness and God says now, now I'm ready for you Joseph. Now I'm ready for you Mary. Now I'm ready for you Dean. Now I'm ready for you Courtney. I'm ready now. You've gone through much adversity and now I'm ready to use you. And how do we know that? Because when his brother stood before him. He said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And he began to store up and he began to prepare for the preservation of his race. I'm going to tell you today, we've got to feed on who God is. We've got to feed on his faithfulness. I don't know what needs to be rewritten in your life this morning. I don't know what portrait you would like changed. I don't know what God is challenging you to change in your life.
what you can change today, what you can stop being and start becoming. Don't you go home and say, that's just me, I'm moody. No, you don't have to be moody. God can get in your moody and make you a merry sound. Come on, somebody. God can get in the midst of whatever is going on in your life and change it and rewrite history. God can change marriages and go from a marriage that had no love to a marriage that's full of love. Come on, somebody. Come, God can rewrite children to children who don't call on his name to children who call his name holy. God can rewrite your finances, the picture in your life of not having enough. God can rewrite it. Don't you let the world or anybody else, come help me singers, tell you anything else different. But God can rewrite your history. If you believe that, stand up and give God a shout of praise in this house. Come on, put your hands together. Put your hands together in faith. Come on, in faith. Come on, come on, come on. Praise Him. Praise Him that God can rewrite your history. Come on, lift every hand to heaven right now. Father, we lift up these hands to you. We lift up these hands to you, Lord. Oh, we sent you in this house. Lord, how you have been with me this morning. Oh, I thank you, Holy Spirit. You've been with me so strong and powerful here. I thank you, Holy Spirit. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your strength. But I thank you for what you have spoken to us. Lord, these hands that are lifted, we don't know that a defining moment is coming like Sarah had or like Joseph had. A moment in which maybe we will lie and maybe we will laugh at what you say. Or a moment that we haven't declared your faithfulness because we've not seen your goodness. Those moments, God, that portraits have been made. But Lord, one thing we do know, that defining moments are coming. And Lord, we want history to be rewritten. Sarah in the Old Testament is not the same Sarah in the New Testament, Jesus. She's a woman of faith. She's a woman of consistency. She's a woman who judged you faithful. Not her own body, not her own situations. Lord, we want that to be rewritten about us. God, standing among us today, every one of us have something. We want, Lord, we want that page to be rewritten. We want that picture. We don't want people to remember us as this, but we want them to remember us as this. A joint heir with Jesus Christ, a mature son or daughter who's been raised up in your glory. Lord, right now where we stand, we ask for the faith to believe for something new. The faith to believe for a page turner. The faith to believe that we can make changes. Lord, we believe that today there's things in our lives. God, we're standing here. Some of us are addicted to cigarettes. Some of us are addicted to pornography. Some of us, Lord, fight laziness. We fight sloppiness. We fight, Lord, excuses and blame. We want to blame everybody else. We're always looking at someone else. We want to look into the past. Lord, each one of us, Lord. Rhonda Davis has things today, Lord, that I want to rewrite. And I know, Lord, that the Word of God, your Scripture says, is in our mouth. And it gives us the power to do what you have asked us to do. So as every hand is lifted, Lord, we lift to you, Lord. We lift to you our lives. We lift to you, Lord, our weaknesses. We lift to you our situations. We lift to you, Lord, circumstances. We lift to you, Lord, portraits that we want rewritten, Lord. We ask for your grace 
and your blood not only to cover them but Lord that you would change the page Lord the best is yet to come the future has not been written forgive us for scrambling around in yesterday forgive us to be like dogs eating up vomit from yesterday help us to be eager anticipating children of God who expect the Lord our God in the midst of us to do mighty and powerful things things we've not seen things we've not known new things creative things Lord father we pray for courage we pray for wisdom we pray Lord for that anointing that strengthens our resolve that we can change that we can change Lord that we can become mature sons and daughters of the most high God in Jesus name in Jesus name now right where you're standing I want you to turn and face somebody 